Welcome to the Duster Mud Podcast, episode 20. In today's episode, we're going to cover tools that helped us on our keto journey to keep us from sinking. Yeah. And we're also going to cover some pretty significant farm updates, things that have happened around here this last week when we get to the end. So stick around for that. Yeah, for sure. All right, keto. Yeah. First off, I don't think we would have made it without some tools. No. So what we wanted to do was share with you guys the tools that really became the life raft for us, uh, getting us started and really learning a keto lifestyle. So that's where we're that's where we're going today. Yeah. Changing lifestyle is really, really hard to do, especially in a world where it's so it's so socially and culturally important everything is around food yeah and without it people feel really lost right and these tools were they really did help us and kept us afloat in the middle of our social life yep so we're going to cover three of them today the first one is a book by dr colbert it's called the keto zone diet and this book, we found it to be very helpful because, first off, when you don't know anything about it, a lot of the books that you find on the keto diet just dive right into all of the science and they start drawing out the chemical compounds and the molecular makeup of ketones, and it, it can be a bit overwhelming. And so this particular book we found was written at a level that it made it easy to comprehend at the beginning. There's tons of more stuff out there, obviously, and a lot of things that go way deeper into the details. The big thing for me was whenever I read it, because we both read it, mm -hmm. and then we turned around and gave it to almost everybody that we knew. Yeah. Because we're smart people, and it made sense to us. And we just... It, it spoke to us in a way that it felt like, oh, I think I, I think I really can do, I can do this. Yeah. I, he made it to where it just seemed doable. Yeah. When I need to throw out right now, we're not affiliated oh, with gosh, any no. of these tools. No. So no. it's not like we're getting anything no out of it. We're just trying to give you the, the tools that we, that really helped us. Yeah. And there are, there are other books. There are, there's a lot of YouTube stuff out there. Oh, but yeah. This, this one was just the one that, that really solidified it to myself and to, to both of us that it, it could be done and it could be done long term. Yeah. Not just, well, we can do this for a month, but that, that we could maybe, because he talks about the zone and once you've gotten yourself fat adapted and what does fat adapted really mean? Yep. And once you are fat adapted, when can I ever eat one carbohydrate more than 20 or 50? Is that something that's possible? And he goes into depth, but not too far about fat adaption. What, what your, how to find out what your threshold is for carbohydrates in your life. Because some people, as I was reading, can have maybe a little bit more once they're fat adapted and have been doing this for six months to a year. And then you can start to play with what can your body, what does your body do with it? And that was like one of the big things for me. Yeah. And just a, a, a quick overview, 
fat adaption is what happens when your body would prefer to burn ketones. So use fat, turn that fat into ketones, and then use those ketones as energy. When your body would rather do that than to use glucose, at that point, right. you would consider yourself fat adapted. That take That's a different time period for everybody, mm-hmm. typically somewhere in the four to six month range. And so once you become fat adapted, what Dr. Colbert talks about is at that point, then you can start adding some healthy carbs on top of what you already were were having to get yourself fat adapted. So for most people, that's somewhere in a 20 to 30 range is typically what will help you to to get into ketosis and then start to become fat adapted. And then once you are, then you can start adding some carbs on top of that 30 carbs per day. Some people can get up to 50. Some people he talks about can get up to 70 maybe. And what he calls it is your keto carb limit. And you can be you can check your ketone levels as you're doing this fat adaption test basically. And not a fat adaption test. your keto carb limit test. So as you're trying to find that limit, you check your ketones. And when your body stops producing ketones, then you know, okay, hack, that's the point at which I will no longer be in ketosis. Then you back it down off of that. And now you've found what your your body's keto carb limit is to and what that means is the number of carbs that you can eat and still stay in ketosis right and it has a lot of the book also has a lot of good recommendations as far as an outlier cases and he goes through and explains what can happen to individual people what can happen with metabolic issues that you might have. And he explains it on a level that we can understand. Right. And recommendations for different things, like if you're diabetic, right. here's, here are some things to consider. Yeah. And here's uh, like, here's right. some things that you must do. Right. And so the, that's the outlier type cases that he talks about also. Right. And there also are some, he lays out some beginning steps for you to take, uh, how to, how to get started, what you need to shop for, and gives you some great recipes to start with menus day one, day two, day three. And that was really helpful for us that I think I I don't think we had the book when we very first started, we came upon the book. And then but we hadn't been doing it for long. No, we had not been doing it. I think it was less than a week, right? But once we grabbed hold of that book, and we went to the back of it to those recipes, it was like, Oh, we can use this. Yes. This, this is great. Let's start here. And it, it gave us a guide instead of right. fumbling. We just were sort of fumbling along yeah. trying to figure this whole thing out. Right. And it's just not easy. No, it's to, not. To do without some type of guide. And we found... Only the, it's it's easy. It's not easy because it's so different. Yeah, fair. It's very easy. It's just on it. It's everything you know on its head. And therefore... It goes against it goes against the grain so much that that's what makes it so difficult. Yeah, and uh, outside of that, it really is easy. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're right. Yeah, uh, it's just so different than what we're used to, to to doing and eating. We're used to it now. We've been doing it for many years, but when you first start out, it's so bizarre. Um, what's another tool you have? Before we move on to the other tools, there was one thing that I wanted to say about the book that I don't necessarily love, and that's 
in the title. I don't love that he calls it a diet. So the title of the book is Ketozone Diet. And if you use the word diet from a big picture as a a way of eating, then okay, like I I get it. I understand why he calls it that way. But whenever you use the word diet, the majority of Americans refer to a calorie-restricted way of eating. Instead of eating the donuts, we have to eat a salad. I'm on a diet. And anytime you add that word, you're adding restriction. You're adding something that you cannot do without. And that's not, we, we do not use that word on purpose. Carb manager app, tool number two. Ah, wow. Life saver. Huge. I don't really enjoy personally tracking every single thing that I eat. I don't like keeping track of all of the calories and the macros and all of this. No, because it reminds you of a diet. It reminds you of a diet. (laughs) It reminds you of, I have to track all my calories. I have to weigh my oatmeal old school. However, in order to switch my entire thinking to, I need 128 grams of fat today. I don't even know how to do that. Right. That is not something that any of us understand, or I only need X amount of carbs or proteins. Anyway, it's super easy. You just click little, you just tick, tick, tick buttons on your little, on your phone, on your app. And it is the easiest way that I have ever come across. They have really simplified it. It allows you to be able to track everything that you eat down to what, how much water you drank pretty quickly. Yeah, it's so not, you it's start not intrusive in your life. You start with a meal and you hit breakfast and then you hit the plus. It's got a little button on it that has a plus. You hit plus and you add the food that you ate and it has a huge library of foods in it. Yeah. And so you know, I I remember when we first started using it, it was Jimmy Dean frittata and the Jimmy Dean frittata was in there, you know, like, and so I could add that in for breakfast and then you can add in water, you can add in your coffee, like all of the things that you're eating or drinking, you just pop it right there into the app. And then it, it has a, a wrap, a circle wrap, and that has your, your carbs, your proteins and your fats. It's very similar to closing the ring on your iPhone, on your iWatch, on your fitness yeah. rings. Yeah. It, yeah. It, yeah. It's kind of like closing the rings on your Apple Watch. Yep. Yeah. And it, you just watch the ring closed. And right. when it gets closed, or when it's getting close to being closed, either one, yay, you've had enough fat. Or you're getting close on, which is hard to do. Yay, you have eaten enough protein today. Yeah. Or I can't have any more carbs today. Yep. I'm, cl- I'm, I'm done. And that's exactly how we looked at it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how we yeah. looked at it. And it, the probably the hardest one for me was getting enough fats. The, the carbs, I was okay with restricting the carbs and keeping that ring open, yeah. but trying to close the fats ring, man, it's difficult to get... Yeah. And you can set the percentages that you're looking for yeah. on ours. I believe we set it at 70% fat, 20% protein, 10% carbs, I think, so. I think is yeah. where we had ours mm-hmm. set. And and so then trying to fill that ring, that 70% fat ring, man, that was, that was a 
I, I think for me, that's really where the learning came in, was trying to find ways to add more fat to get that ring closed was really probably one of the bigger learning uh, points. And the main thing that that app did for me was it helped me make decisions. It helped me make decisions about what I was going to eat during that day, how much I was going to eat and what. And when I got towards the end of the day, what did I need to eat next? And it, it was my decision maker, not me. Yeah. And that just, that was huge because whenever you're embarking again on a lifestyle change, it's really, really hard. And let the device decide. Yeah. And the it has a free version. We used the premium version. Right now, I just checked it. I don't know what it will be when you're uh, watching this or listening to this. But right now, it's an, you can pay annually and it ends up being $3.33 a month that you pay annually. So just over 36 bucks. And the paid version also obviously comes with more features uh, in terms of what you can record, the things that you can pick as far as your what diets you're on and all of your different settings. Yeah. And you have access to all whole bunch of recipes. For us, it was recipes. Mm -hmm. it, the paid, yeah. the premium version allows you to do meal planning and it allows you access to the recipes. Right. And those two things w made it really worthwhile for us. And we did an annual membership and I think we renewed it the first year. So we had it for two years mm -hmm. and then we have not but we have not renewed it since. Honestly, we don't use the app at this point because we understand how to eat this way now and it is our life. And so we don't really use it. But for that first year, we use it pretty religiously. Yeah, I would say everything that we ate and drank at least for me, I, I don't remember for exactly. Months. For me, it was somewhere between three and four months. Right. I tracked everything. Right. And then at about that point, it really clicked. And it's like, okay, okay I, I know about how much of all of these things. Right. And so then I was able to start making the decisions for myself. And then I used it for recipes or for, I, this is a food I'm unfamiliar with. Um, this is a what, brand. What are, the, what are the macros in this? Yeah, food? this is a brand I'm unfamiliar right. with. So I, I would use it for for those types of things mm -hmm. to answer the questions that I just really hadn't encountered. Right. Yeah. So get yourself a card, the card manager app. Yeah. On your phone. Number three, KetoConnect.net. It is a lifesaver as far as recipes on what do I eat now? What is okay? I really would like to have some bread. Is there any fake bread out there? It's not fake. It's real, but it's keto bread. So recipes. They have copycat, copycat recipes. recipes that will allow you to take a thing and say, I am craving cinnamon rolls. Yes. And they do have a recipe for it. And, and that is keto. Then you can Go to the copycat recipes, mm -hmm. type in cinnamon rolls, and then you can find a keto version of a cinnamon roll that just might uh, curb your craving. Curb your craving. And that's what we used it for for a long time was curbing the craving on muffins or uh, what else did we, keto bread, chaffles. Okay, those are still a staple in our house. Yeah. Chaffle. That's a silly, silly word to me. But what it is is a cheese waffle. And mozzarella cheese is very versatile. 
Yeah. And you can take eggs and mozzarella cheese, a little bit of almond flour. You don't have to use the almond flour, but it does help bind the stuff together. And you can either go sweet or you can go savory. And you throw that into your waffle iron Mm -hmm. and you make yourself some waffles. Y'all, we have chaffles probably once a week for breakfast or sometimes we'll make them savory. You can take the same base and you can add cumin and all of your Mexican spices and make that the base of a burrito plate. On those, I like to replace the mozzarella with cheddar oh, and it just adds so a, a different flavor profile to you it. You could do a and they're really jack, good. you could yeah. do any grated cheese that you want, whatever flavor profile that it is that you're looking for. You can make it Italian, you can make little pizzas out of it. There's, there, It's really versatile. So if you, if you haven't ever heard of it, it's a chaffle. And you can find some recipes on Keto Connect as well as Google at large. Yeah, we used we made keto muffins for quite a while. Yeah. It, um, I got tired of the prepackaged foods for for breakfast. And when you were busy, when I was and busy working and working, and commuting. Yeah, yeah, and so we really went. We transitioned to the keto muffins. Yeah. And then, so I would have the the muffins were a breakfast staple for me. We had the savory and we also did, so savory being eggs and bacon and throw in, make it kind of salty, yeah. sausagey, yeah. egg cheese thing. Or we also did some French toast style muffins and they were the more sweeter yeah. flavors. Yeah. And, and then, they're really good. Yeah. And once you come away from cakey stuff, the actual glucose, wheat, sugar stuff, and change your taste buds, it it, it really does it really does work as far as curbing the cravings. Yeah. For that stuff. The other thing we did quite a bit of was fat bombs, mm-hmm. and that was a way that we were able to significantly increase our fat intake mm-hmm. and get as we worked towards closing that. Uh, ring right. as we tracked our fat macros, the the fat bombs were a way to do that. And so they have recipes for those. Mm-hmm. Typically, um, quite a bit of coconut oil, mm-hmm. some type of flavoring really is yeah. is pretty much what it is. Yeah. And get it cold. Yeah. <laughs> all of their recipes, their, everything on their website is free. Yeah. And it is really good. Yeah. They're not, they're just good recipes. Yeah. They work. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that those three things are the, those were our life raft. Yes, those tools kept us afloat on our keto journey. When we set sail on it, and now, like, I couldn't recommend them more as to help anybody out there succeed on their journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. On a lot of the podcasts, we do updates on the farm. We milk two A2, A2, Jersey cows. If you're unfamiliar with A2A2, we did a podcast called "The Magic of Raw A2A2 Milk." That'd be awesome to take a uh, take a look at or listen to. Um, we milked two Jersey cows, and one of our Jerseys, her name was Betty, and she got sick. She got sick, and she got sick the first time a couple of months ago. The vet we had the vet come out emergency visit on a Saturday afternoon, and. Um, he said that he thought it was probably pneumonia and we not a her. yeah not a viral yeah. pneumonia a bacterial pneumonia yeah we treated, treated her, her with she antibiotics 
she got better. And I was so happy that she was better. And now that I think about it, I don't think that what he thought was the problem was it. It was hit. There was an underlying, yeah. more difficult problem. So then about six weeks later, she got sick again and was doing pretty bad. And there wasn't really anything we could do to get her to eat. And so we had the vet come out to the farm again. And um, she was like, all of her tests... She just wasn't finding anything. And so, so she was she, losing condition rapidly. She had scours, which is diarrhea for cows. Um, she wouldn't eat. Her energy was just going down. Yeah. Her milk production quit. Yeah. One day it just quit. Yeah. And so she treated her for parasites. She treated her for a, a bacterial infection, mm-hmm. uh, you, you know, to include potentially a mastitis that we couldn't see. Like she really threw the book at her as far as treating all of the things yeah. that it could possibly be. And then and, recommended that we do a couple of bovine tests, have additional tests run. And so she ran BVD, which is bovine viral Diarrhea. 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 She had, when the vet was out. Diarrhea. Yeah, BVD. When the vet was out last time, he tested for a bovine leukemia, which could cause them to get sick. And and that came back negative. So uh, this time they tested for BVD and for a disease called Yoni's is the way it's pronounced. And um, so we waited for the test results to come back. And during that time... Betty started eating a little bit more. We had a little patch of green grass that we tried to keep the animals off of, a, a area behind our house. And um, we let her onto it just to give her something to eat. And she ate, was eating that a little bit, but was not recovering condition at all. No, no. She started eating hay a little bit, but still really no appetite, no energy, mm-hmm. not recovering condition at all. No, and so... Several days went past by and uh, finally the doctor called and said she did test positive for Yoni's disease. And quick synopsis of what Yoni's is, is it's a bacterial infection that lands in the intestinal wall, uh, can land in the intestinal walls of cattle. It is known to be within the dairy cattle. And the problem with the disease is that that it is not detectable until they're about two years old. So a heifer or young, a young cow, cattle can have it and it's dormant. You don't know that they have it. You can't test for it. You don't know that it's there until it starts showing signs and symptoms and they get old enough for it to be detectable. Yeah, there are, it, it can affect all ruminants. So sheep and goats are susceptible to yonis as well. The research that I did looks like they have a different strain of the bacteria. So yonis is in dairy cattle, and we have had to make some very, very hard decisions over the past couple of weeks. And the decision was you can, but the options were we could send her to be cold, we could send her to the slaughterhouse, but we didn't. So we didn't want to do that. We had given her antibiotics and a bunch of medicine. That was not an option. And her and, condition was so And her condition low. was bad. And then the other option was just to euthanize her. And so 
doing the right thing because she was going downhill so fast and she was not she was not well, she was not feeling well, and the right thing to do was just go ahead and euthanize her. And so, every every time she um had a bowel movement from again from the research I did, that was billions of pathogens then that were falling right. on the soil here on our farm and that then can stick around in the soil for a long time, depending on the conditions, up to a year. So it was a going downhill fast, really not well, and contaminating the soil for the rest of the animals on the farm. So we moved. We so we did have to put her down. We had to do a lot of cleaning. We had to do a lot of sanitizing. We had to do a lot of animal moving. We had to prep the area for the different things and get everything situated over the past week. But she is now, um, she's no longer with us. And we now milk one Jersey cow. Last week we found out and had tested our other Jersey, Happy. Happy is negative. Thank goodness. Yeah. We will continue to have her tested over time just to make sure that it stays that way. But she is happy and she is healthy. Yeah. And she does great milking. And we'll, whether we or not we get another one, that is that question is on the table, but it's going to stay on the table for a little while. Yeah, and the vet really credited the cleanliness of the area that right. the cows are in to how you could have one that was positive and one that right. was negative. Yeah. And so she she really did commend us on the on the area that they live in. And that was another thing is that with Yoni's, it it just happens. Right. They're depending on the study that you look at, anywhere from sixty-three to ninety-three percent of the dairies in the United States have Yonis in their herd. And because unknown. Yeah. And because it's not even testable until they're two, it's a difficult thing to catch. And um, so it, it's just the the vet really made put us at ease, saying that it this is it's nothing not farmer fault. Yeah, this is nothing that you did. Like you didn't do this. The most likely um, scenario scenario is that she contracted the bacteria as a calf, as right. a newborn calf, yeah. and then has carried it until now. And she's about two and a half, between two and a half and three uh, is what, how old she was when it really, really hit. Yeah. And these things happen. Animals get sick. Yeah. And animals die. Yep. And that's a, been a, a, a lesson, not just this week, but in the past two and a half years of farming is... Animals do die. Yeah. And if you've if you've watched any of our other videos with the milking cows, or if you've read any of my <laughs> blogs, you'll know that we also have a calf, and um, the a, a dairy calf, heifer, named Stella. And Stella was Betty's calf. So now she's almost a year old, which means we're still a year out from being able to test her from for yonis. The most likely scenario is that she is not contagious. Even if she is positive, they typically it's dormant until they're at least two years old. And that's when it can start showing up. So right now, Stella continues to live with happy 
and um, they're our dairy herd, the two of them. And so we will just continue with Stella until we're able to have her tested. And as soon as she turns two and we test her, then we'll have decisions to make there. If she comes back positive for Yoni's, she will become beef for the family. And if she comes back negative for Yoni's, we will breed her and she'll become our next dairy cow. Yeah. So we'll have decisions down the road, but not today. Yeah. We've we've made all the, the dairy decisions, hopefully, that we have to make for a little while. Yeah. The good news out of the whole thing was that Happy, Happy is, is healthy. Is healthy. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. She's, yeah. She's doing really well. Yeah. Other big farm updates are the last of the beef chickens are going to be processed tomorrow. So big news there. We'll, um, we'll be without beef chickens or meat chickens for the winter. And then, yay. yay. <laughs> and uh, our lambs will be going to the processor in just over a week. Yes. So we will have more chicken and we will have lots of lamb for sale. Yeah. Soon. I think that covers the farm update. It does. The significant farm update. Yep. It does. Thank you guys for watching and listening. And until next time, bye y'all. Bye y'all. <laughs>